This is David Bateson, the voice of Agent 47, and you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 103 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, October 10th, 2021. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we offer review impressions for both Back for Blood and Alan Wake Remastered. We'll discuss Ubisoft's latest Tom Clancy tomfoolery with yet another PvP free-to-play shooter, and wonder just what's going on with Battlefield 2042. It's rough, guys. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XCP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I want to do each and every week, I like to start the show by offering words of kindness to those who have made my gaming week better. And this week, the words of kindness go to Megadad content creator Chris Berto, who has been hosting a series of streams over on his Switch channel, or the Megadad Switch channel, I should say, uh, in which he is playing scary games appropriate for the spooky season while he raises money for Extra Life. And can I tell you, there are very few streamers that I enjoy watching play spooky games because I feel like it's just so fake and extravagant uh, while they pretend to be super scared. Not Birdo, not Chris. He is losing his mind. He is terrified of spooky games and watching him try to raise money for these kids uh, at the same time trying to make it through Slender the Arrival and several other spooky games on tap has been absolutely hilarious. I did a, uh, I did a, uh, like I, I donated to his particular campaign fund, so he had to give us a shout out on stream. And I made him say all these kind things about Zack Snyder and Zack Snyder's Justice League, because of course the one of the heads of the Mega Dads uh, hates Zack Snyder and he's just objectively wrong because how can you trust Adam Leonard when he doesn't even finish the movie Rogue One because he doesn't think it's good. Uh, so I, so I, I enjoy donating to that but more importantly watching Birdo uh, lose his mind while playing Slender the Arrival was absolutely hilarious. So shout out to you. Shout out for being out of your comfort zone, Chris. Shout out to you for raising money for them there, sick kids. Uh, and to anyone, to anyone else who is uh, raising money for Extra Life, you guys rock. I appreciate you. Birdo and Megadads, please respond to the live tweet for this episode with your Extra Life links so I can retweet it as well. You guys are awesome. Guys, let's get to some gaming news. There's a lot to talk about this week. Goodness gracious, Back for Blood and Alan Wake Remastered both hit at just the right time for me in my gaming space, and that meant that I had to uh, sit on a few reviews that I'm just not ready to get to just yet. I'm talking, of course, about Far Cry 6, which uh, arrived at the same time for me in my codes for Alan Wake and Back for Blood, so I just I had to make a, a tough choice, and with so many great people covering Far Cry 6 for a, a number of different outlets, in particular, I'll point you to Ainsley Bowden's review of Far Cry 6 on Season Gaming. That was a really good review. Um, sounds like it's more Far Cry, but better and refined, which is absolutely great if you want that. I mean, I know if I got an Arkham game that was just more Arkham, I'd be happy as can be. Uh, it sounds like that's what it is, but I have not played it just yet. 
I do first want to talk about Alan Wake Remastered. Alan Wake is a franchise that has been dormant for about 10 years at this point, initially launching on the Xbox 360. Uh, and then, of course, Alan Wake, the character, and some allusions to his story, making their way into the Control uh, DLC or Control Ultimate Edition, depending on where you played it. Um, I think I talked a few episodes back about how I 100%ed Control Ultimate Edition and absolutely love that game in its current state on current-gen systems of the Xbox Series SX and PlayStation 5. Um, I was really excited to go back into the world of Alan Wake because it's gotten this visual uptick. It's looking good in 4K. It's looking good at uh, 60 frames. But I was curious just uh, how, how well the gameplay had evolved from the Xbox 360 version. And I can happily say that while it is very faithful to the original, um, there are some visual upticks that really bring a lot to the game. They've gotten rid of uh, a lot of the kind of in-game advertising that Verizon and Energizer had uh, throughout it. This game is very much still a 360 game, and while that might raise eyebrows to some people, I appreciate how faithful it was and that it's a remaster, not a remake, but it's also very appropriately priced at $30 versus a full $60 or $70 release. 30 bucks gets you uh, an experience that is unlike any other. Alan Wake is very unique in that it's not a horror game, but it is a thriller with horror elements. You're playing very much through a spooky tale that will not you know, be grossing, grossing you out or, or gore-ridden. There's enough gameplay in this that it's not at all a walking simulator. The combat is reminiscent of Ghostbusters in some ways in that you have to shine a light onto the, the darkness which can inhabit different people and can uh, infect the world. And after you've shined a light on, you know, darkness-infected things, you will then have the ability to shoot them with a revolver, a shotgun, or a hunting rifle. They also, the game also makes good use of flare guns, flares, uh, and a few other smaller, like, in-game abilities to get rid of the darkness. But you're playing through a novel of sorts, and that Alan Wake himself is a writer. And it's really exciting for me after seeing so many people get into the world of control and Sam Lake's, you know, brainchild of this this very strange altered world event uh, that first began with Alan Wake and how it now connects to this greater world of control and that we might see Alan Wake himself interact with Jesse Faden. Uh, it was really neat to kind of see the genesis of this, but made playable on modern consoles in the best way forward. Uh, moreover, there have been a few subtle hints and adjustments to this story that offer references to the world of control, but the story itself is very much intact. Alan is a fantastic character as he discovers just what's going on. I will tell all of you that are checking out this game for a story purpose that you're going to need to to take your time with the story itself and really try and figure out what's actually going on because there are a couple twists and turns that uh, required me back in the day to you know hit up the interwebs and find out just what was really happening. Now with the added knowledge of uh, going going through YouTube rabbit holes and understanding the world of control and revisiting Alan Wake itself, um, I could not be happier with the complexity of this story, just what's really going on, and the ways that Sam Lake is choosing to tell his story. In the gameplay mechanics, I know I mentioned that it really is just an Xbox 360 game with an uplift. I stand by that wholeheartedly, including things like the collectibles placements. This game 
is broken into about six episodes, I want to say, perhaps eight, eight episodes, uh, plus the DLCs of The Writer and The Signal that were originally released, uh, at, released after the game when it first launched on 360 back in the day. Um, while those are included, the collectibles are spread throughout and can really extend the playtime of the game. You could knock this one out in about 10 hours, uh, maybe 15, 10 to 15 hours with some modest exploration, but really, if you want to do everything, I mean, even how long to beat will put this north of 20 hours for you and you don't need to do that i think you could knock this one out in 12 hours and have a great time with the story there's just a lot of of wonderful nostalgic moments for me as someone who enjoyed the game initially but as well with with anyone that's diving into it new it's very appropriately priced and well timed with the holiday season of halloween here this is a spooky game, not a horror game. You can turn the lights off and have a good old time and get some heebie-jeebies, uh, of course, but it's not going to you know, drive you nuts and scare you out of your pants or anything like that. Um, without a doubt, I recommend Alan Wake Remastered at its price point. It's fantastic. A must-buy for people that want to uh, explore one of the best Xbox 360 exclusives. And now, if you're a PlayStation gamer, you can dive into this world as well. If you liked the, the the game control, what you will find is its predecessor in story, but not in gameplay. There are elements that made their way into control, and it's fun for a historical kind of context element. But this is not nearly the same gameplay that you would get with Jesse Faden. This is a, a thriller game that you are playing through. You are not overpowered. You do not have powers. You have a flashlight. At times, you have a gun, and you are walking and discovering, whereas Jesse Faden is tearing out walls and shooting things. Um, I recommend it. I love this game. I'm having an absolute blast with it. I'm about 70 or so percent of the way through uh, and really enjoying it. For context, I do want you guys to know I was provided a code by Remedy for this game. Um, and there you go. All right. So let's get into another review, and that is of Back for Blood. <laughs> For all intents and purposes, people are calling this Left 4 Dead 3 for good reason. It is, of course, a spiritual successor to the franchise Left 4 Dead, made by the same people who made Left 4 Dead back in the day, of course, now under the guise of Turtle Rock Entertainment. And Back for Blood, in its early access form, that is... Uh, Codes were provided to reviewers, and of course, if you purchase the Deluxe and Ultimate Editions, you have access to the game early as well. Uh, it doesn't release onto Game Pass until probably just around when this episode goes live. I've been playing this with friends, with a couple randos. Crossplay has been enabled. We play with some PC players as well. Uh, and I'm happy to report this game is fantastic thus far. I'm really enjoying my time with Back for Blood. There are a couple oddities, which I'll point out in particular relating to the single player. But uh, in short, this game exists as a first-person shooter. It is very much Left 4 Dead 3 in practice and in premise. The ridden are as opposed to the zombies. They are indeed infected. There are very similar elements to these special mutations uh, that are, are out there like the tanks and whatnot. Um, I'm having an absolute blast with it. The game is beautiful. The beta I, I didn't think looked all that great. I don't know if it's just me or maybe it's my display now but the game is just looking uh, fantastic it runs extremely smoothly playing it um, in 60 frames or better i'm really enjoying my time with it whenever you shoot and blast a zombie there's gore effects that land all over your character over your gun meaning that you can actually blend in with the ridden at various points and so if your teammates who of course have friendly fire on they can they will see you in in quick haste moments you will be covered in blood and look like a ridden 
uh, or a zombie, and they will start shooting or attacking you briefly. Uh, and then, of course, your, your health will deplete, and you've got to talk them out of it. Um, but it's an absolute blast in, in just seeing how many guts and gore can be covered in my gun as I wave through hordes and hordes of zombies. There are There's a lot of game here. I've been playing for about 10 hours at this point with plenty more game to play. The game is broken into multiple acts, uh, and there's a lot of campaign here. And just like the original Left 4 Dead, there's a director that can alter some of the events and modify uh, where you face enemies and just what kind of enemies you're facing at any given moment. Uh, there's also a card system in the game that can do those same types of alterations. And what that makes for is that never once can you have the same run. You could even have the same card system layout and the game director would still change different scenarios therein, which offers a huge amount of replayability. When you first log into Back for Blood, I would imagine as many people are going to do when they have the game available to them on Game Pass, it'll be a bit overwhelming to see this card system. There's a lot of mechanics in play, a lot of customization options for your characters, for your weapons, and what your different decks of cards will look like. And if that feels out of place to you out loud, it will feel out of place in practice, at least when you first dive into it. But essentially what these cards do is offer you modifiers and perks, not unlike any of the other games that you've played likely in a first-person shooter space. These cards, you will quickly understand that they just give you different types of perks and boosts, and the game is going to change each of your different runs as they go. Uh, I like that because it offers so much variability in that there's a lot of replayability and you can dive in with different friends uh, or randos at convenience. What stood out as being very awkward to me is that the, at the moment, there is no way to play the game single player and still track stats or gain achievements. You can do a solo run, but you will not get supply points, which is your currency in the game that allows you to unlock new decks of cards for new modifiers, nor will you be able to play with achievements. And this is a really frustrating choice by Turtle Rock that they have come out on Twitter and said they've heard the people that are in early access, they realize there's a frustration, and they're going to investigate what they can do to fix it. I call shenanigans on that. They had to have known this would be strange. Perhaps it's because the game is going into Game Pass and there's no real monetization method for extended gameplay at this time. Maybe they wanted to incentivize people to buy the game or to uh, play with other people. I don't really understand the logic in that either. Uh, I'm just baffled by the decision to not let anyone play solo and track stats and progression. It just, it just feels very odd to me. Now, for all intents and purposes, the game is still fully playable, but you lose a lot of magic uh, in, in not playing with other people. And I have two minds about this. I loved playing with friends, and I actually really enjoyed playing with randos. All the shenanigans that can incur when you are playing with people in a game like Back for Blood are an absolute blast. I've been having a great time playing with my friends Charles and Kev. Uh, I should note, uh, by the way, that PR provided me with four codes to play, and I played with Court Lalonde and Kevin and, and Charles, uh, and we had a good old time with a full squad. We also random up with a couple people uh, at various times when not all four of us were there, and it worked perfectly these people were playing on pc we were on console and it was fantastic the game ran great i had one crash out of the start to the main menu when i first played the game and that was it uh, otherwise the game has been running very very well but i still am frustrated by the choice of no single player progression that's something that i would like to do is go upstairs and boot up and play a quick uh, mini act as it were and play through and just just slaughter some zombies or ridden uh, and not having the ability to do that and it feel worth it is very, very strange to me. I'm an achievement guy. I'm, I'm, I'm so close, by the way, guys, to 200K 
uh, in terms of achievement points, and I just I don't know why I can't contribute to my gameplay in Back for Blood single player. It just feels odd because I don't always want to wait for my friends to boot up, uh, for sure. But all in all, I think with if that gets rectified, you've got a must-buy uh, game on your hands, an absolute must-play for Game Pass users. This is a gem of a title to be dropping into Game Pass, and Game Pass is continuing to deliver great experiences of late. Um, and I think that's par for the course for the service in the last few months. And when you've got Forza and Halo uh, on the horizon at this point, look at that pun, I think we've got a lot to, to look forward to there. But Back for Blood, to me, is a must-buy game. Uh, if it wasn't on... If it wasn't on Game Pass, I, I would still recommend anybody snag this game for sure. Uh, if you're a single player game and a sing, single player gamer, I should say, maybe hold out for just a bit uh, and see just what decisions Turtle Rock makes. But if you're planning to play, you can mute everybody in your party and still play through online, and you'll have a good old time. Uh, there's a lot here. I'm excited to play more of it. Yeah, Back for Blood. It's a win. <laughs> Ubisoft made headlines this past week with some tomfoolery in the Tom Clancy franchise. That's my joke, and I am sticking to it. During the 20th anniversary of Ghost Recon, um, Ubisoft was having a showcase, and they revealed Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Frontline, which is a free-to-play PvP shooter, which, of course, has its own Battle Royale mode. And man, oh man, did this did this announcement fall flat, and it is met with an eye roll by gamers all around. Many, including me, very frustrated with just how Ubisoft is treating the Ghost Recon franchise, just how they're treating single-player narratives. And that's a real shame, given the quality title that is Far Cry 6 dropping uh, alongside this. This should have been a celebratory event, but the way that... that Ubisoft is handling several of its franchises in the way that they're rolling out content for them. Uh, think back to the idea of Tom Clancy's uh, X Defiant launching just a few weeks ago. Very, 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 very strange, right? The Tom Clancy name is one that was meant to mean, mean tactical espionage, squad-based, or single-player, and a lot of military shooter uh, elements that are just very tactics-based. They struck gold when they had Rainbow Six Siege, but I would argue they, they absolutely had a fantastic franchise in Rainbow Six Vegas and Rainbow Six proper from back in the day, and they've just gotten so far away from that. One of my favorite things about the Ghost Recon franchise in particular is Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter and Future Soldier. I loved Graz 1 and 2. I loved Future Soldier, that tactics-based single-player game where you manipulated your squad mates to move around and, and you just be very tactical as you move through different warlike environments. And it just seems to have gone so far away from that. In the end, I ended up really loving Ghost Recon Wildlands, but it was a big departure from that Graal 1 and 2 and from Future Soldier. And by the time Ghost Recon Breakpoint came out, it was almost indistinguishable from The Division. And The Division is a great game in its own right, Divisions 1 and 2, but they're very distant from what Ghost Recon proper was meant to be. When you factor in games like The Division, when you factor uh, broken games in like Breakpoint, which I'm told is much better now, and I do want to go back to it, but like, who has the time to go back to a game when there are better games coming out? Uh, and then you factor in X Defiant, you factor in what they're doing with this new Ghost Recon Frontline, you really have to raise your hands uh, and wonder you know, just what Ubisoft is thinking. All the while fans are wondering just where Splinter Cell could be, just when they're going to get back to tactical single-player games in the military sense. And you have to wonder just what's happening with that Tom Clancy name, without a doubt, without a doubt. Ubisoft is capable of some fantastic titles. I mean, 
for all you, anyone wants to say about Assassin's Creed, they tried a lot of new things with Origins, with Odyssey, with Valhalla, and you have to praise them for that. Uh, Far Cry seems to be more Far Cry, but that's what people are seeming to want. But in the military space, the people that are consistently calling out for a new Splinter Cell and being met with mobile titles and mobile appearances for Sam Fisher, the monetization of Ghost Recon Wildlands and Breakpoint to include Sam Fisher-like content, for X Defiant to have different factions that appear in all other manners of Tom Clancy games but not have those games proper uh, be showcased is really frustrating. And Frontline, it looks like it's made to compete with Call of Duty Warzone, while X Defiant is meant to complete with, or to compete with something like, say, Overwatch. And my frustration point at the end of the day is that Ubisoft used to be genre-defining, and now they're genre-chasing. And that's a real big bummer. That's a really big bummer. Far Cry 6, again, I have it. I haven't touched it yet. But it looks like just more Far Cry. And if you love Far Cry, that's great. Uh, that's fantastic. And I don't lament them for that. If people are buying it, people want that, rock on. If, they, if Again, if they're making more Arkham games, I'm buying them. More God of War games, I'm buying them. You're making... Uh, a franchise that I love and just giving me more of it, I'm cool with that. But the problem is they're making games that nobody seems to be asking for in Ghost Recon Breakpoint, Ghost Recon Frontline, and uh, <laughs> and and X Defiant. It just seems so chasing the trend as opposed to defining them or making what's better. All the more, not to mention this new Rainbow Six that's coming out in which you're playing against aliens, right? This new, what was Rainbow Six Quarantine and... Gosh, I should have my notes in front of me. I don't even remember what this new Rainbow Six is called, but like, who's asking for it? In a world where Gears of War exists with its escape mode, uh, and it continues to be popular, by the way, Gears 5 doing very well. Surprise me. Um, and then you've got, you know, Back for Blood out here rocking it in its own space, and even Aliens Fireteam. Who wants this new Rainbow Six game? Uh, I, I just, I can't imagine. Uh, and then, of course, even The Division has its own spinoff now in Heartland, which is another free-to-play game. It just, it really frustrates me to see Ubisoft kind of splitting down the middle in terms of quality over in the Assassin's Creed side and the Far Cry side, and then all of its military shooters are just getting dumped into genre-chasing experiences. I'm frustrated with it. I'm very frustrated with it. I loved Rainbow Six Vegas 1 and 2. I loved Rainbow Six proper. I loved... Uh, the initial versions of uh, Ghost Recon with Grawl 1 and 2, and then, of course, Future Soldier. Uh, and not to say anything, I really liked Wildlands a lot. But just the brutalization and the manipulation that's coming from a lot of these monetization models that Ubisoft is employing on some of its franchise, it makes me frustrated. And I really think, I really think I could tolerate this stuff if indeed we were also getting a Splinter Cell experience, if indeed we were getting a proper Ghost Recon experience uh, that either Echoed of Wildlands or Future Soldier or uh, Advanced Warfighter all successful in their own right. But what seems to be happening is the games are looking more and more similar uh, in, in they look like The Division and they've got gear scores and they've got end game scores and it's like that's not what Ghost Recon was. And now you've got PvP Ghost Recon Nah, it just it just feels so frustrating. It feels a bit slimy, uh, and I can't imagine I can't imagine this is going to go over well. I know the like to dislike ratio on the video and YouTube's were just absolutely destroying it. I mean, it was just so many downvotes, and I am of two minds about that. I've been frustrated in the Avengers community of late because Avengers has been crushing it in terms of quality updates, and then they've been making some absolutely shoot yourself in the foot decisions that are clearly coming from Square and higher up. Um, 
and the poor comms team at Crystal Dynamics, which is uh, angling for an Xbox buyout, by the way. It's interesting to hear kind of the stuff I'm hearing on the back end and that Crystal and the initiative is a first step towards something. I, who knows if that it plays out? I don't know. Um, but it's just weird to watch these franchises these that people will love, these, these studios that people love, be destroyed by higher up decisions and gamers how do you make your voices heard is it by down votes is it by tweeting about it and contacting developers how do you go about contacting a developer when you know that community managers take the brunt of it and shield the executives who make the decisions it's an ongoing question and i'm consistently frustrated by not having a clear answer on it there are times where i just I feel so badly for these comms managers, and at the same time, who else are we meant to talk to? And what if the comms manager is simply not good at their job? Uh, that's a frustrating point as well. If the comms manager doesn't communicate with the community because they're fearing backlash, well, that's not fair to the community, nor is it fair to the manager for having to navigate so many of the, the worst of the community who make death threats and stuff, and we should never be advocating that. That's not what I mean, but... If you, people, if you have people, I should say, with legitimate gripes, who do they express them to if the community managers or, or the PR people shut down and don't hear you? So it's a, a frustrating lose-lose scenario that is consistently impacted at the end of the day by dollars and by executives who are shielded from people who are frustrated. As always, I would recommend voting with your wallet. There are things in, in different games that I just simply will not support. Avengers is the most recent example, but but Ubisoft, of course, I'm not playing X Defiant. I'm not playing Frontline, and I'm not buying or putting any money into games that are not uh, being faithful to what I think the, the franchise should do, and, and I don't like when they take advantage of gamers. But, uh, you know, there's a, it's an ongoing thing. At the end of the day, though, I will say, without, without a doubt, there are so many great games in this space that... You can move on. If a franchise isn't what you want it to be, if the game's not what you want it to be, there are plenty of other experiences out there. And here's hoping people are, are voting with their wallets and being supportive of them. Battlefield 2042 had its open beta, and man, oh man, was it bad, guys. It was real bad, and I hate it, hate it, hate it for some of the diehard Battlefield fans out there. I know there are so many of you out there that just love Battlefield. I've always really enjoyed Battlefield, but it's never been my go-to shooter. That said, I really did like Battlefields 4, 1, and 5 for their own reasons, and they all played very differently, of course, um, but I liked them. And in jumping into the Battlefield 2042 beta myself, I was skeptical of, of all the things I was seeing. I have a one or two friends within within EA that told me about Battlefield 2042 not being at all up to par, and there are a lot of frustrations with Crunch and a lot of frustrations with people who are well aware the game is not good and higher-ups are pushing it out regardless. That said, in playing it myself, man, oh man, this game needs a delay worse than anything. I think about Halo Infinite and the example that it set and how much money they probably lost in choosing to delay a year uh, for their release and now how positively that game is being received after such a negative reception and I have to hope, I have to hope that we see EA make a smart choice here and delay this game significantly, give the developers time to capitalize on the product uh, that they're trying to make, because you can tell there's a lot of love being put into it. But from what I've played, from the now public impressions after that closed beta that we heard and saw things about, this game is in a dire state at the moment. There are echoes of a great game within it, but with tons of visual glitches, hitching, uh, a lot of polish needing to happen. The Battlefield name is going to be tarnished fiercely if this game releases in the state that it is. And anyone can argue older builds, but older builds are pretty par for the course with betas and just how far can you come. 
from a, from a beta that's you know a month out from launch to, to 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 where we're expecting it to be. How what can you really learn at this point based on its release date? This is effectively a demo, and man, this game is bad. This game is really bad, and I'm not holding back all my feelings on it because I need this to delay so that the Battlefield name stands strong. If this game launches with with Halo and Call of Duty around it or near it, it's it's going to be lost. It's going to be lost. And I know Call of Duty's in a equally bad state with hackers and a lot of frustrating points, but Call of Duty has franchise panache and a namesake that Battlefield does not. As much as Battlefield fans would uh, claim that it's as big, it's not. It's not even close. And so I'm really frustrated for these developers that are putting their heart and soul into the game. And it's in this broken mess of a state now. And of course they know. They even had to come out on Twitter and say there's a photosensitivity warning based on a glitch that if people aren't careful can cause uh, epileptic type problems. That sucks. That sucks because that's going to be the headline for weeks at this point. It's the same problem Halo would have faced more or less uh, had they launched a year ago at this time. Broken multiplayer, disappointed fans, people that... Uh, saw greatness there, but it just wasn't where it needed to be. And uh, man, I hope, I hope, I hope that EA makes the smart choice here and delays not just into March, but maybe into May uh, to give them time. Let if they imagine if Battlefield came out in May. People keep saying March, but March is also crowded, as is February. Allow it to be May, and just give give that whole April window, give it plenty of time for a Halo to cool down, for Call of Duty to have done what it's done, uh, and just launch unopposed in May. Man, I can just see Battlefield. Uh, absolutely taking the cake but as a $70 experience people are going to be very disappointed here for sure I will praise EA in that they allowed now cross-gen purchasing meaning that you can just buy a version of Call of Duty or of Battlefield and it will work from one generation to the next you don't have to buy a specific edition for that to be the case so props to them for a good choice on that one but uh, I hate it for Battlefield fans because I know there's so many of you out there and you deserve better than what you are getting but I mean here's hoping it comes together for sure. Let's get to some listener mail. Quite a few of you guys writing in this week, and I skipped a few because I didn't have good answers for you. I snagged a few others, and I'm happy to address several of them. Let's first go with Mr. Court Lalonde, uh, who I'm making an appearance on his podcast with Matt from Assemble as well. I'll be on that tonight that by the time this is out, it will be out. So that's kind of cool. They're on Assemble XP podcast. Uh, Court Lalonde says, Would Halo Infinite be, still be considered a success if the single-player campaign doesn't review, review well, but the multiplayer does? We had a similar question. I believe it was Hypecaster writing in. He says, With Halo Infinite multiplayer making a great impression and the campaign not shown at all two months from release, I'm thinking they bought themselves room to delay the campaign to spring, and they will take it. Delays have done this game incredibly well, it seems. Thoughts? So a lot to break down in that. Of course, the Halo Infinite beta was very well received. That has been often talked about on a number of different podcasts and media spaces of late. Uh, Without a doubt, they could release just the multiplayer and the game would be considered a success for sure. Without a doubt, they could do that. They could delay the campaign and it would be considered a success still just because of the quality that we're talking about. That said, delaying the campaign would get a lot of headlines and absolutely split the community. I don't agree with you, Hypecaster, that they could do it successfully and not take a significant amount of backlash. I do agree that delays have done this game a world of good. I think that we're not seeing 
a lot of the campaign stuff because they're saving that for the Halo 20th anniversary, which is not happening and coinciding with the launch of the game. I bet you get a good old set of campaign trailer and details uh, around that Halo 20th anniversary, which is also Xbox's 20th anniversary, and you get a showcase of some kind in which they celebrate the heritage of Xbox and Halo together, and that's where you get a lot of the campaign. We have on good authority, not just from Joseph Staten himself, but other sources, that the campaign is shaping up quite well. And the gameplay is doing quite well. We also know that they delayed co-op due to some camera issues with the uh, experiences that you're set to have. And they don't want it to be just a one-person screen where it's two people playing kind of thing. Not sure I agree with that, but I have no insider knowledge on that particular aspect. That said, I, I think the game for Infinite is going to shape up well. I'm not concerned about the campaign the way I think some people are because we do have on good authority that's coming together in just the right way. There's my puppy. She's at my feet. She's a cutie. Uh, so, you know, at the end of the day, I think you're setting up for a, a good multiplayer and a great campaign as well. Uh, and we have a lot to look forward to with Infinite. And that's what you would expect after a year-long delay. Uh, I hope I'm right. I think I'm right. I've got on good authority that I'm probably right. Uh, but that still doesn't uh, take the cake for anybody. We will all see when it comes out. One thing I do know, as good as that beta was, I'm going to have a lot of fun in multiplayer uh, for sure. And a few other people write in asking me just what I've been playing of late. I've largely told you during the review process, but I'm also dabbling in Hot Wheels Unleashed, which is a game I am absolutely loving. I am loving Hot Wheels Unleashed. That game is so much fun. A lot of care and time put into it. Nobody would think a Hot Wheels game would be excellent, but I'm digging it. I'm digging it something fierce. This is a must-buy for me. If you've not played Hot Wheels Unleashed, uh, this is fantastic. If you have any fond memories from the Forza 3 expansion that had Hot Wheels in it, snag this game. The racing is sublime. It's very good. Uh, the cars feel great. There's a lot of love put into them. I will say that I went out and bought the edition that came with the expansion because it's going to have some DC Comics crossovers as well. I've already got the Batmobile in there from the animated series, but there's more on the way. And they're dropping cars in regularly as well. There's a lot to unlock. There's a lot of really cool environments. This is a Hot Wheels game in the best sense, but it honestly, guys, it feels a lot like Forza Horizon 3 in the Hot Wheels expansion specifically. The cars feel great. The environments look great. Please play this game. It's really, really, really cool. Uh, I'm digging it. I also just started Centipede Recharge, which is kind of a re-release of the old Centipede game. Uh, for that one, I was provided a code, and I'm liking it. I'm liking it. You know, if you like the old Centipede games, it's, it's great, uh, but there's a good old bit of classic love in that. All right, guys, that's going to be it for me. A short episode this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, in a couple weeks, I'll probably start having more guests and interviews back on. I just needed a break because school has been so busy, and I didn't have time to arrange and coordinate, that kind of stuff. But I hope you're still willing to drop a favorable review on your podcast service of choice, support the channel over on youtube.com slash Pass, and have yourself a wonderful gaming week. Take care. Thank <laughs> you.